0: Maryland sports betting landscape finally opened. We looked at the books. There was a couple spreads that people really liked. They liked the Tampa Bay one. They liked the Seattle one. They liked, uh, which other one was it? The Chargers one. And the Ravens one. If you bet those four big winners, you would have failed. Uh, The Ravens did not cover, nor did they even win. In a really depressing collapse in the fourth quarter, uh, the story retold itself. For the fourth time this year, the Ravens figured out a way to lose. When it it was kind of interesting. If there was a there was a sigh of relief when Oliver scored a touchdown, and when when Peter said that, I was like, "Man, I'm still stressed. I'm still like holding my face. I'm breathing like you know, like you know, through my hand. You know what I mean? Like when you have it over your mouth or whatever, <laughs> you're just like, I don't want to watch I'm watching. And it looked good with that like fumble sack, and I was like, "Oh yeah, the defense is doing the thing. The defense is good. And then. Uh, they just kind of went right down the field again and surprised us a little bit and got the shady touchdown call and then the two point conversion almost felt inevitable. They motioned over uh, Zay Jones against Stevens and I was like, oh man. And Chris talked about it with Jason, like, what if they try to motion to create a matchup they like? And we, you know, we could have we could have responded, we could have moved Marlowe, but we didn't. We stuck to our guns and uh, exploited one last time after what seemed to be almost a solid game for Stevens there at the beginning. Just a really, really rough outing and a game that I think a lot of people thought the Ravens had won at one point during the game and felt like business as usual almost.
1: Yeah, uh, it was, you know, you got to give props to the Jags. We said that this was a possibility of happening in this game. A young team, a lot of young, talented players, just not all coming together as a unit yet. Coming off a bye, how are they going to respond? And they came out uh, and they fought. They fought the whole game, a game the Ravens definitely could have won. And unfortunately, at the end, we saw some problems that we saw previous to the bye bye week crop back up. Uh, We were hoping some of these issues were fixed after last week. uh, But... As we did mention, the Panthers' quarterback by Baker Mayfield are one of the worst offenses, if not the worst offense, in 2022 NFL landscape. Uh, that may have had something to do with it. And unfortunately, yet again, the the defense at the end of the game uh, gives up gives up a touchdown. It's been the story all year for this team. Even in the games that they've won big, you know, against Tampa Bay and New Orleans, still had those uh, garbage time touchdowns given up. It's something that's got to be fixed. But yeah, at the same time. Uh, you have to give credit to the Jaguars. They might be starting to figure something out there. Maybe next year, two years from now, there'll be a team in the playoff consideration. But uh, for the time being, you know, even though the Ravens are still ahead in the AFC North, they have the tiebreaker over Cincinnati. They're seven and four right now. It's frustrating that they they really should have won. Um, you look back at the ESPN graphic when the Ravens had the Jags cornered at third and twenty-one on that final drive. ESPN gave them hundred percent win chance. Uh, probably for the Ravens at that point in the game. And then we know what happened there. They got into fourth and not terribly too long, converted that, and then the rest was history. So a uh, frustrating game just because we've seen this story multiple times already this year. But uh, hopefully the Ravens will be able to recover. How they re- respond from this is going to tell the story for the rest of the year. But as we're standing right here, uh, depressing. I think that's what Chris used before. We started recording, and I think that's a pretty apt description of where we are as a fan base right now on this Monday.
2: Yeah, so many things went bad, man. Just offense, defense, just so many different things. You know, it's funny, Peter, when you're talking about the defense just now, uh, one of the things that kind of came into my head is, you know, the uh, offseason pod that we had looking over the different position groups in the draft. Man, at this point, like, I really would have liked to have a corner in like the second round, like a McCreary or, you know, somebody. Because, uh, you know, at least on the defensive side of the ball, I think um, with Hamilton being out, I think that was the major matchup nightmare of the Ravens just don't have a third corner right now. And I think we might want to talk about it, but I think it's questionable if they even have a number two corner right now. Um, I don't, don't think Peters is playing good football right now. Definitely did not play good football on Sunday you know to the point where it's it's a it's a big liability the Jags could basically take their pick of you know who's lined up against Peters who's lined up against Stevens or whoever is playing basically don't throw to Marlowe um, they didn't really throw to him that often The couple times he did it was a you know like a short out to Kirk he may have got like two or three yards tackled immediately um, I think it may have been a pass deflection at some point to Marlowe but other than that you know Zay Jones had a had a day. Marvin Jones at the end had that touchdown. Um, you know, it seemed like they could do whatever they wanted, but I know we talked about how, you know, Trevor Lawrence, you know, maybe didn't have, um, you know, the poise to be able to make the big plays and big times Well, this game he had it. Um, he was able to make the plays that they need to make and the receivers were able to get open. And I think, um, you know, if at least we're, we're going to talk about that side of the ball, I, I think that was a huge difference maker, um, this game that, you know, Mike McDonald's is going to have to have answers for.
0: Throw in the notes, I think that we're dealing with a Ed Reed tw- or 2012 issue right now. I think we all remember that season super well, the Super Bowl season. But Ed Reed was not the legendary Ed Reed that year. He had liabilities and coverage. He made mistakes. But he also made flashes of plays, had the swagger, led the team. And I feel like that's kind of where we're at with Peters. Definitely, I just... I really think if we had him manned up every single play, it'd be a better outcome than the zone swapping. And I'm not even necessarily sure that he's playing zones. It's a difficult way to put it. I think he's playing them optimally, but it's suboptimal in aggregate because zone is a team sport. And what I mean by that is he seems to be biting down low sooner, swapping to the back safety then faster than the safety is ready to take over the responsibility. You could argue that he's making the right play and, like, he's switching assignments fast enough. But if they're not handing off in sync, that's when you get those gaps and then it always looks like the play is behind him. And I just think, like, he doesn't like zone. (laughs) Like, we know Marcus Peters does not like zone. And part of me wonders, as a defensive coordinator, why Mike McDonald's like, but we're going to keep making you play it. Because... I don't know. There's plenty of concepts where you can run zone everywhere else, but have him man up. Like that's a thing. That's a, that's a concept, you know? And I just don't know. I don't know what they're doing with that. That's, that's my major concern is that I feel like at this point he has a very limited set of skills almost, or at least like things that he's better at. And we're still trying to ask him to do everything, but he's a player that's going to be out there for every step. So, do we need to adjust our plan a little
1: bit to better accommodate where he is in his career? It's an interesting argument. Um, And I, it's a tough one for me to, to figure out what angle I would take if I were in Ben McDonald's shoes. Did I do that again? Mike McDonald's shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Why did there have to be, could they have just, could he have just changed his name to something like, like, McFred, Mick, Mick I don't know. Not the same last name as as the Orioles, ex-Orioles player. Anyways, because um, <laughs> part of me feels like, you know, and of course I've never played football at the NFL level. I've never played football at the high school level. i played football at the flag football, backyard football level, which is way different, I've been told. Um <laughs> You know, I, I would think that someone, Marcus Peters, who's been in the league as long as he has, who is as accomplished as he is should be able to adapt to a, a different scheme and of course yes every player has their own skill sets and and athleticism that tailors them to better thrive in different situations but it, it, the, some of the issues that you're you're talking about there kind of feel like someone who who's been in the league that long, who has that football IQ, should be able to adapt. And again, I think it's it's hard for us to know the whole story standing where we are without being in the practices and and the film sessions. So I I understand what you're saying. It doesn't it it doesn't uh, answer all the questions I have personally, but I think though, of course, like we're talking about with new defensive coordinator, there's going to be growing pains sometimes and. And sometimes vets don't buy into everything. Uh, So, you know, it could be that as well. I don't want to call out Peters for not really knowing where his head is with the new scheme uh, and also where he is physically. I think that is also part of what it is as well, is him still trying to get his body back to where it was pre-injury. But, yeah, I I would hope that if the answer is Peters doesn't like playing zone, he hasn't really done it much at the NFL level, I would, would... give me hope that he could still master that before we get to the playoffs. Um, just because, I mean, a guy who's been in the league that much, I mean, I, and I'm also be surprised if he hasn't played zone coverage at some point in his football career. So, yeah, regardless of what the exact specifics are of it, though, unfortunately right now, Peter's a, a guy who we thought would be a strength of this team. He's had some good plays, but yeah, it just seems game in and game out. There's a player or two where... He just looks like he was the liability there where the defense was trying to target him. And uh, that's unfortunate from a guy who's been excellent throughout his NFL career um, that he's uh, having a little bit of tough sledding right now. And we'll see if he's able to uh, recover from that.
0: Overall, I agree with you, Chris, that we just are in a really bad place as far as the cornerback group goes, which didn't feel like the situation going into the season. Now, granted, we've had injuries and we've had I guess, some fluctuation in play, so to speak. Uh, mostly, though, the injuries, right? We lost Fuller. We lost uh, J.L.R. Davis, who, not saying that he was a world-beater by any stretch of the imagination, but he's become unavailable and not able to practice as much, and that's not going to help his development either. We saw, like, the rise and fall of Pepe Williams, where we thought he would be a relevant source and could keep Marlon on the outside, and we could use him in the cor- you know slot corner. That hasn't really developed. And it's just been a whole multitude of things, and I don't know, I mean, I felt like the Ravens had enough corners going into the season. We've said this before, though, and I just think there's like, there's not enough roster spots to to be perfect in the corner situation unless you just have outside linebacker level depth, like the Ravens have an outside linebacker at corner going into the season, and we just, we just don't have it at this at this point and it's going to be a major investment going into the offseason is it an acquisition and free agency possibly but probably not because they're going to be expensive is it draft capital well that's going to be tricky too because they only have one high profile pick at the moment they could trade back they could trade players but we only have the one first then it's a third round pick and you know this is going to get kind of slim pickings after that as far as like a, a plug and play guy i mean you can you can fall into one don't get me wrong but it's just tricky. And you can you can hope and pray that you know Armadavis gets better over the offseason, has an Averett level trajectory and becomes more usable. But I I just I'm worried because I don't think unless Marcus Peters signs like a real team friendly deal, I think this is his last year in Baltimore. And even if he did, like it's not gonna be a full fix of the situation.
2: Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think, you know, kind of uh taking it back to the game a little bit, um I, I do think this year is more pronounced than maybe the last couple years under Wink that cornerback it's not the like same focal point I think of the defense as it used to be don't get me wrong I mean we've still got good players in the secondary that's clear because the Ravens wanted to spend so much money to be able to sign guys you know like Marcus Williams and everything there's a lot of money in this secondary Um, but that being said like just from a personnel right now, it's definitely more clear that the strength of this team is on defensive line and now linebackers, honestly, is it salvageable? Maybe. Um, I think the first key thing is that Hamilton's got to come back and he's got to come back healthy. I think, you know, that was honestly masking part of this issue, right? We just, we didn't have to rely on guys like Pepe and armor Davis and, and Stevens because Hamilton really kind of stepped up in that role and could play that really well. So, you know, I, you know, I have to imagine that has to be part of the solution right now is, you know, the Ravens are in a, you know, they're in a win now mode, right? Um, you know, whether they're all in debatable, but we're in a win now mode, like this is our window. You know, we don't really have the luxury of letting these players develop because we're looking to win this year and not like a year or two for now. They can still develop, but that, hap- that can happen async, but we need to have players who can actually contribute now. Um, so I do think that's kind of step one. Uh, but kind of taking it a little bit away from the secondary for a moment, I kind of wanted to go a little bit more into linebackers because I, I do think, you know, um, it's complimentary. And I do think that the Jags did a really good job of getting the ball out relatively quickly, kind of taking advantage of some of those matchups in the secondary. And honestly, we didn't have that much of a pass rush this game. It was a little bit more weak than I think in other games past. It did heat up a little bit toward the end of the game. Uh, Calais Campbell had a sack. Um I think he said ninety nine, if I recall. Yep. Uh, a couple other people had sacks, but um, you know, it did look a little bit lighter. I felt that uh, Lawrence was not under duress for most of the game; he was able to make the throws that he needed to. You know, there were some moments I think he just kind of missed some throws, but I didn't. You know, it didn't seem like to me that he was under too much duress, at least from our pass rush. So, you know, that's another area where, you know, I think there there's room for improvement.
1: That's interesting. I actually thought that the pass rush uh, was honestly the, the best part of the game yesterday. Now did they uh, sack Lawrence a ton? I mean they still they still got four sacks, so it wasn't like it was you know a, a slow day at the off- office for the defense. Um, I, I also felt there were plenty of times where uh, the we had multiple linebackers and corners safeties in the backfield uh, to disrupt some of these screens that the Jags were doing. In my opinion, although I I do understand what you're saying to a degree, it really just came down to that the Jaguars did an excellent job of getting the ball out quickly, um, doing screens. Their offense looked exactly like like what we thought it would going into the game. That's what they like to do. It's a lot of quick passing, a lot of screens. And ultimately, I think the Ravens defense did a a fairly good job of combating that because if we remember in the past few seasons, that was an area of real weakness for this, this team. Ah, uh, the blitz happy scheme that that Wink liked to do was always susceptible to giving up big plays in that situation. Um, so it was uh, it felt good to, to finally see the Ravens uh, really bottle that up. And honestly, for most of the game, the Ravens really did keep the Jaguars' offense in check. One of the touchdowns that they got was on an unfortunate Gus Edwards fumble in the fourth quarter. Uh, I will admit, I'm forgetting off the top of my head how they got uh, their first touchdown. I think that was that on the uh, after the failed fourth down conversion.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Short Field.
1: So the two touchdowns that the Ravens gave the Jags before that final drive were on short field. So you have to commend the defense on that. Of course, you want them to stop them there. But before the final drive, when the Jags started with the ball on their own side of the field. Uh, they weren't able to score a touchdown. So I think in that regard, they did their job to a good enough extent. Uh, but of course, it wasn't enough in the end.
0: I kind of agree with Peter there too, because I mean, if you look at the raw number of four sacks, it seems like a decent amount. But then at the second level, it was tough. Like you, like you mentioned, Peter, they had a lot of ball out quick um, opportunities. And what I noticed is that the inside interior was actually pretty much collapsing relatively frequently i thought they were getting good interior uh push and you know just had to get the ball out quick now the couple times that they did get home they were so huge a splash offense right you had tybo like assault him uh get the fumble out and have marcus peters pick it up you had uh calais campbell in that final drive first play or no not the first play second play get the sack fumble and almost recovered and that would have obviously flipped the game for us um and then you also had that back-to-back sequence with uh, Marlon Humphrey tackle for loss and then sack and uh and then the la- oh and the, the first drive of the game Broderick Washington with his little splash sack so oh, that was the
1: first play of the, of the game for the defense wasn't it
0: I think so yeah it was one of those things where I think they knew I mean right away right Broderick Washington from first sack they knew all right um we needed to do ball quick we need to like change our scheme and then what's interesting is I think all those last plays came out of desperation so they were behind they needed to like get a spark to try to move the, the ball down the field and that's when we had more of the sacks again now were they able to recover from them uh, obviously yes in a lot of the scenarios they were able to erase the sack and kind of proceed it wasn't a drive vendor so that's uh I think that's the biggest pain point right now is it wasn't enough and you know looking at it I thought our like inside linebacker play was fine like it wasn't there wasn't as many splash plays from the unit but I think uh that was a personnel thing there was a couple times that they came out with four wide out sets and they 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 picked on our our linebackers, like they picked on queen in coverage because they had wide receivers out. And I was like, oh, they figured it out. Like We really like having two linebackers out there. And if you just bring out four wide receivers, we don't want to bring out any of our corners. And that's a huge liability. So the second they run into teams that have like four wide receivers that they're willing to put out there, I don't think they have to, have to be good. Like, it's it's basically, we're back to the whole problem, and I see Chris is nodding his head. We're back to the whole problem of what happened against the Steelers. The Steelers were not good that year that they beat us, but they brought out, like, four or five wide receiver sets and said, we'll find somebody open, I'm sure.
2: And it worked. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point, Alec. Um, you know, one point, I think that first touchdown to Peters we were kind of talking about, of that one was debatable in my opinion like to give Peters the benefit of the doubt I think that was debatable because that was a pure matchup issue it was I think it was the play let's see the ball ended up going to hasty I believe he was out wide and I think it ended up that Peters was aligned to him and then Queen was on Kirk And that's not even a knock toward Queen at that point. It's just a mismatch of you're having their number one wide receiver and a linebacker. But the thing was is they didn't even throw Kirk's way. They just knew that probably Peters was going to probably ignore the running back to consider covering Kirk because, you know, he thinks, well, I should be covering that guy, right? And that's kind of what happened, right? He's in a formation now where he's like, okay, I'm going to look and see what's in front of me because I think that's the more dangerous threat. And then what do you know? Clark doesn't make you know, the play to be able to get and cover the running back on the, on the go route. And then you complete the touchdown over his head. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think it's a good point. And yeah, it's unfortunately, yeah, with Hamilton out, that's a liability of this defense. We just don't have enough guys on the field who can truly cover at this level. Um, they just really haven't shown enough. Um, but, it, but I, I think back to the inside linebacker play too. I, I generally agree with you. Yeah. I think it's, it's been okay. I mean, I can't say that it's been like fantastic but certainly I think the level of play is is above maybe the first couple of weeks where, you know, everybody shit on Queen and, you know, the linebackers kind of day. It's definitely better than what it was here. But that being said, you know, I know it's only, what, Roquan's a third week here as a Raven. You know, part of me maybe expects a few more kind of plays, particularly in pass defense. I know that's not necessarily his strong suit. Um, but that is something I like, maybe kind of expected a little bit more impact, but that being said, like, you know, he's still making plays. I don't know. I feel like it need to calibrate here. Like, do you guys think that he's sort of been as advertised right now? Or do you think that, you know, maybe we still need a couple more weeks for him to kind of be cemented into the defense before he can really take off?
1: Uh, for the most part, I think so. Uh, you know, rewatching the game, I, I didn't get to rewatch in as much detail as I would want to, but you saw a lot of instances he's he's still constantly around the ball which is what we saw the first two weeks now sure there were instances last game where he missed tackles there were instances where um there was one play in particular where he was running after to the run back to the linebacker sideways and you know instead of tackling him he just trying to try to truck him you know shoulder him down and uh that didn't work the running back got through there was able to pick up the first down um that feels nitpicky though I think he's he's doing well, but I do agree pass defense does not really seem to be somewhere he's standing out at the moment. I can't point to a play where I can tell you, okay, that play was a positive play for the offense because Roquan Smith missed an assignment or, or didn't make a play. Uh, so to that degree, I don't think he's killing the Ravens pass defense, but is he making a positive impact? It's not obvious. I'd have to watch more of the film for that, to be honest, but... I think overall I've been I've been pleased with what I've seen so far from him. I think so far uh it's been a good move.
0: Oh yeah, totally. I I'm not even I wasn't trying to even say bad things about the inside linebacker group. I just think they didn't have too many splash plays. Like I I know sure. that um you know, Queen had a tackle for a loss. I mean, Roquan, he's he's a little bit of everywhere as far as in coverage and is being around the ball. I I don't even think they had a bad game whatsoever. Um but it was just one of those things where I think they had more splash plays in other games where um they maybe you know made their presence known a little bit more. But honestly, I think we gotta just give it one more time. Credit to Trevor Lawrence. Like, sir, we talked about you. There was a joke that you maybe even listened to the pod because of the way you responded. Like you have crumbled in the past under pressure this year in tight situations, and you flourished. Uh, There was a couple times like the hasty touchdown where he threw the first touchdown you know of the day for them after the uh, uh, the short field he got pummeled he threw that he stood strong in the pocket he threw that ball got absolutely pummeled and touchdown Jags and we saw him just orchestrate some very long drives against a defense that I still think is good and he found the soft spots found the places that he could exploit them made plays and. I mean, I think it, I honestly think it's a statement game for his career, and it could be the sign of him level jumping to the next echelon of quarterback, uh, you know, from above average starter to maybe like uh, the A tier, where you're like, okay, like maybe he's like a Justin Herbert level player now, you know, and that's awesome for him and for the Jags, obviously. And I think we can't let that pass. Like we and we totally talked about it in the preview, like this kid kind of might be there like he has flashes here and there and if he can just get that one last piece of his game like that's the level jump. we literally discuss this exact thing <laughs> and, and then there you go he did it so i just give credit to him i give credit to their their i, I give credit to hasty for coming in for etn and, and performing at a, a good level the guy I mean, he had he had some daylight like he had he had the opportunity <laughs> given to him but he, he took it and we didn't play a good enough game to win on defense or offense. And I think that's what it comes down to. Like, yeah, we had one turnover. Yeah. We had four sacks. We almost had another turnover. We had, I guess, a turnover on downs on there. There was a lot of like swapping though. We did all the same things with them. We had a turnover on downs. We had a fumble, uh, you know, close to the goal line. So it kind of almost equalized. The defense
1: didn't do enough to, uh, change the tide almost in this game. For sure. And I, I do think we have to put this game into context and you put it beautifully there. I personally am not too concerned that the Ravens lost this game. I understand that there, that a pretty sizable amount of the fan base looks at this game and sure, you can make the argument. What was current, excuse me, what was Jacksonville's record going into this game? Three and seven. The Ravens lost to three and 17 when they have aspirations of going to the Super Bowl. This year, somehow Jacksonville's record going into this game was actually worse than Carolina's. Was Carolina actually had four and eight going into the year? Now five and eight after beating. No, no, no. Excuse me, excuse me. Four and eight after they beat Denver. Regardless, you know on the on the year right now, this year Jaguars record comparable to Carolina. If the Ravens had lost to Carolina last week, I would be extremely concerned about the season going forward. Carolina and Jacksonville are not the same team. Carolina is lost. Carolina doesn't know who their head <laughs> coach is going to be next year. They don't know who the heck's even going to be on their roster behind, besides DJ Moore. Like, they have no identity as a franchise right now, whereas the Jaguars are putting pieces together. And, you know, in a way, this this game kind of reminded me of, of two things. Um two instances of games, one in relation to the Ravens and the other, the Orioles actually. Um, and I think I, we'll have to see what happens, but I do think there's a good chance a year or two from now we'll understand uh, this loss. I was thinking back after this game to uh, 2011. If you guys remember uh, after the Ravens had the the epic win on Sunday night football in Pittsburgh, Joe Flacco throws the game winning touchdown pass to Torrey Smith uh, twice. Torrey catches it on the second one, but <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, they, what everyone forgets is the next week after that, they go up to Seattle and just put up a dud. And we, you know, after that game, we were all kind of confused. Like why was the Ravens having so much trouble against Seattle? They're not very good. What is it with this secondary? They couldn't, they couldn't throw deep against them at all. And of course, you know, we find out the next year after that, Oh wow. Actually, you know, it's cam chancellor, Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman secondary is pretty darn good. And Pete Carroll has something going on here. That that was a team that was just about ready to turn the corner. Um, another instance you could look at is, uh, 2014, the Orioles, um, their second half of that season, we all know that that's the most recent season, but the Orioles had, uh, true dominance, uh, won the AL East, made it all the way to the, to the AL, uh, CS, uh, where they unfortunately got swept by the Royals. But in that second half of the regular season, the Orioles only suffered one single sweep, one single sweep. Uh, and that was at, an, at the time unexpected, uh, sweep up in uh, in Wrigley to the Cubs, who were struggling at that point, included an opening uh, night matchup where they got destroyed by former pitcher Jake Arrieta. And at the time, it was kind of like, wait a second, this is really questionable here. The Orioles got, got swept by the Cubs? What's going on here? The Cubs are terrible. The Orioles are on a, a streak right now. But next year, obviously, the Cubs had a big year, won the World Series uh, the, the year after that. And, you know, that's just a, a, a long aside for me to say, like, that's how I'm kind of looking at this at this game here. This is a team on the rise. I don't think this is a bad loss by the Ravens. They kept it close. Yes, they should have won it, but you got to give credit to the guys on the other side of the field. There's, we said it in the preview, there's quality players here. The Ravens need to to shore some things up, but even when you're a team that shores up the things that you're struggling with, more often than not, you're not going to win every game in the back half, so... Um that's just a long way of me saying like try to put the game into a little more perspective of those of us who are you know uber frustrated about who we lost to I think they're better than their record and I think in a couple years we'll understand this loss more
2: Yeah that's true I mean I I I definitely hear what you're saying Peter I kind of agree with you I I think the the other thing to kind of take away from this game too is like well Just from the defensive side of the ball, because we'll get to the offense in a minute, but from the defensive side of the ball, I don't think we've learned anything that we didn't already know, right? We knew we didn't have a third corner. Hamilton was the guy. Now we just solidified okay, we really need Hamilton back. Um, We might have learned a little bit more maybe about Peter's situation, but then again, like some signs were there. Is it really that new? Maybe not. Um. yeah, so from like a personnel and like, okay, what are the Ravens withdrawing there? It's like, oh, you've seen a lot of the same things in other games, right? It's just the the matchup is slightly different. So yeah, I mean, from, a, from the defensive side of things, sure, do I have some worries long term about what our cornerback depth is going to be? Sure. But this is a recap. You know we're not here to analyze the the defense and what the strategy is going to be in 2023. That's not what we're here for. So, yeah, I mean we we can we can hold off on that for for now and, and kind of just take it one game at a time. So I think it's a good mindset and kind of a good transition point. We should talk about the offense because we're going to need a lot of that perspective in a minute. Can I come with my prepared statement?
1: Absolutely. All right.
0: So I have an hypothesis of what's going on, and unfortunately, like the all 22 is not out yet. According Monday night, but we'll get back to you. We'll watch it eventually. But here's the, here's the thing. So uh, presser happened today with with Harbaugh. No mention of Roman. Uh, although he did open up saying that the defensive coaches are still looking at the game. And I was like, what about the offensive coaches? What's going on there? And he didn't say anything. So I think the reason that we're having issues with Roman right now is that his offense is designed that things have to be perfect and well executed. Or it's going to fall off the rails. And I specifically think his second down play choices are really suspect. And what I mean by that is he is so thirsty for another fresh set of downs that on second and short, the man does not allow for him to take a chunk play, take a chance downfield. He just wants to get that easy conversion and, and move the chains. And this defense or this offense is not explosive enough with the offensive weapons we currently have to say that's okay, because they need any chance they get to scheme in a chunk play opportunity, and because they're not making it by themselves, they're just not that dynamic, and that's where we're at. So if they're not going to make huge chunk plays out of you know what was supposed to be a routine play, they get some yak, etc. You need to take the opportunity that you do have. To take shots downfield and try to, you know, make it happen uh intentionally rather than just uh happening randomly. And then secondly, like he I think like it's really highlighted by the designed Ricard screen. <laughs> but like, if you're gonna scheme a play on second and long to try to make it into third and manageable, like maybe give it to a guy that's just a little bit more athletic <laughs> like I'm not even trying to diss on Ricard I like what he does but like his best case scenario is he rumbles for like 10 yards right he's not gonna do much more he's not gonna surprise you with the first down I don't think and I just think that plays a little bad and then getting more into like the fact that they have to always be on schedule we saw so many drops in this game some in really bad spots right Robinson could have had an end zone you know touchdown there uh drops in the end zone Drake and Duvernay drop catches in the flat that completely flip um the script of what's you know the next down and distance and and then Oliver had that one real tough catch too but he missed it that could have been a touchdown and I just think you have like I just don't know with the current personnel why we're playing an offensive scheme that's so incredibly dependent on perfection. And I think that's just – I think it's a big mistake. So that that's my, my biggest issue with Roman right now.
1: Yeah, uh, it's a valid take. Um, I'd be lying if I could say I could pinpoint the exact uh, issue that I have with it. Um, and, you know, I – I don't know if I have that much of an issue with the scheme, honestly. Like, I, I everything you're saying is valid, and I think that there's all valid criticisms of what the Ravens are doing. But I also look at what the Ravens called yesterday, and I don't think Greg Roman was the issue. I'm sorry. I think that, but maybe it is what you're, what leading into what you're saying with perfection here, because the reason that I say that is because if the plays called as designed, uh, you know, succeeded which I think there was an opportunity for them too. Sure. Then then the Ravens are able to score touchdowns. And that was really the only thing that – that the reason that they lost the game. They allowed the Jaguars to hang in there because they kept settling for field goals rather than touchdowns. And, you know, we talk – it's been talked about a lot. Lamar's deep ball accuracy in the game was a little off. That's an aspect of of an offense, especially in today's NFL, that – that he gotta have working to to keep defenses honest and to have them not crowd the box and you know the Ravens they had opportunities to do it Lamar was able to to hit Deshaun Jackson on that that huge play at the end uh, but you know he still got to hit him a little more on that so yeah I I I do understand the criticism of Roman in this game I think some of it's valid I think you also have to look at the fact that. There's a lot of injuries on this offense, and just wonder what is what is the best expectation that we can have, given given that. Um, I, and I think one perfect example of that is the pass early in the in the first quarter, might even been the first offensive drive. You had Lamar Jackson read the defense well, I thought, on a rollout, waited for an open receiver, had DeMarcus Robinson in the back of the end zone, and they just weren't able to complete the play. Was that a catchable ball? Possibly. Did Lamar throw it too low? Possibly. But I, I th- regardless of exactly the specifics of what happened, I think what you're seeing there is just Lamar ha- and Robinson just still have not had enough time to develop the type of communication that, say, Lamar had with Marquise Brown all those years and the co- type of communication that he does have with Mark Andrews, although Andrews did have the case of the dropsies yesterday. I do wonder how much that shoulder injury is impacting him because the the drop he had in the end zone in particular was troubling and yeah I don't know it's I don't know unfortunately I don't think there's a simple answer and that's just the case that there is when you're dealing with a team mid-season that's had all these injuries that they've had and they're just gonna have to continue to find unconventional ways to to keep this uh engine rolling
2: yeah um I mean i <laughs> i'll say like it it's on the fence yeah the i feel like there's so many things wrong but in, in general in general i do think it's like it's just th- this offense is concerning just from like a depth perspective of you know yeah we have so ma- i mean we have so many injuries now um bateman's obviously out andrews i agree with you peter it seems like he's not 100 he's still dealing with some, the the shoulder injury likely out Um, he had, was it an ankle, I think that held him out of this game. Kohler also out. So we have, you know, we do have Oliver and I think Oliver had a good game. We could talk more about kind of what he did, but, um, but then, you know, Nick Boyle got a few more snaps than usual. We've already kind of talked about Nick Boyle's probably on his way out, you know, not really having the same impact that he did in 2020 or prior to that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, lots of injuries, obviously, Um, I think that speaks for itself. I don't know. Our offense doesn't seem like it's, you know, in the preseason we have our like huge streak and that's a testament to our depth in the regular season. It seems like it's just not the same level. There's execution issues, personnel issues, play calling issues. Things aren't really lining up. There's a lot of, and that in general, I think is a pretty big concern for me. It's just, why is our offense always performing this poorly? at some point like i i almost kind of well i don't want to say i wish this but it would be easier let's say if we had a russell wilson paid 250 million dollars and we knew like that guy's the problem and we'll talk about more about him next week um but we really like we don't have that like that's not an issue (laughs) it's not like it's not like our entire roster is taken about by a player not yet um you know it's it's not that um You know, in terms of, like, play calling, I thought that they were, like, we got Duvernay more involved. We wanted to see that. We got him more involved. That was good. Um, You know, Robinson continues to get a little bit more involved. Yes, he did have a, you know, drop. He's not perfect, but, like, that's also good. I do think there were elements to this offense of, like, you know, hey, we didn't have this last week. Now we have it this week. So, from, like, a play calling, I don't necessarily think that the game plan was off. But, yeah, like, you know, just personnel issues of like we can't we don't have a deep we don't have a deep ball game we took a shot but that's it lamar's not hitting the other shots or you know receivers not catching some of these other deep shots the offense is very constricted uh run game obviously not there um you know gus played okay obviously that fumble in the fourth quarter that kind of killed the game uh it was definitely a play that you know he wanted to have back I guess what I'm saying, like there, there, are a lot of there are a lot of issues here. Um, it would not surprise me if a change was made at some point this season, because you know whether it's like Roman's fault or not, this offense could use a spark. Frankly, um, execution is just really poor. The red zone numbers are just awful, atrocious. Um, I mean, that's really the difference to this game. And, uh, you know, we, we just, we need something like I'm not expecting the Kansas city or the Buffalo offense out of this team, but to be an efficient offense that can score greater than 20, 20 to 30 points consistently and actually get a couple of touchdowns. I mean, you gotta have that, <laughs> but let's talk about that. Cause I, I think I, I actually do want
1: to think you, you brought up, uh, uh something there that's actually very interesting because, I think going into this year and even last year, like we were expecting this offense to always be on par with the Kansas City and the Buffalo offense, especially considering the talent that Lamar Jackson is when you compare him to with Patrick Mahomes and, and Josh Allen. Uh in spite of some struggles that he's had this year, I, I think unbiased take, you gotta label him with those other two as the the most dynamic quarterbacks in this league. But yet we're we've seen those offenses, I mean Mahomes in particular, they didn't really replace uh, Tyreek Hill in the offseason, and yet the Chiefs are continuing to roll as usual. Uh, the Bills have no run game still, and they're still able to keep rolling on, on their offense. But that being said, are we also just blowing these offensive um, issues and of really the issues that the team is having out of proportion? Because the Ravens, they are seven and four. If the season ended today, they would be, they're, they're fifth in the, the conference right now. There's four teams tied at seven and four. The Ravens are one seed beside behind the Titans. Bills are eight and three. Chiefs are nine and two. Like, are we? We look at their record and we and it. it, it sometimes feels like we're talking about a four and seventeen, but they're seven and four. Are we blowing these things out of proportion, or is it really that that this offense isn't hitting as much as in the past, and and it's not as it doesn't have the same ceiling that it did those, those years.
0: That's exactly it, Peter. I mean, the stats bear it out. Actually, we're not horrible in the red zone compared to the rest of the league. We're just bad for Raven standards in the Lamar era. And we're down about nine percentage points uh, in the red zone efficiency, which uh, feels worse, than like it feels worse than, than those numbers suggest. And I think it's because like the red zone is a big place. I would like to see the breakdown of like how often we've got inside the 10 and failed. Because <laughs> I feel like that's like the killer. Like we get like we get to the last set of downs. You can't get any more downs. There's no more first downs to make. That means you're super close and we fail there. And I think that's the that's the real like new level of wrinkle that is is bad. Cause I, I think actually all of our failures in the red zone got to that state. Don't quote me on that but I'm pretty sure it's true of like, there's no more first downs to be had. You've gotten as close as one can get and they just can't, they can't pull it out. And that's, that's super, super duper frustrating. And I also think that the issue is, you know, like scoring 27 points, not that bad. I think there were at least 31, 35 points available based on the plays called. Like you guys said, there was more points to be had even with the plays called. So you could say Rome's not the problem because there was more points to be had and they should have had them, etc. cetera. I think there could have been maybe 40 <laughs> if he calls a different set of plays, but that's that's neither here nor there almost. I just think you got to see a way for them to execute. And we haven't even talked about this whole, like, Lamar clapping his hands, begging for the snap. This <laughs> happened at least six times in this game. And it's so gruesome. Particularly, I thought it was it was absolutely terrible that they get to the line slow after that respot fourth and one situation. And they don't call timeout. Like Lamar didn't call timeout. Harbs didn't call timeout. Some other person on the planet that's allowed to call timeout didn't call timeout. They look like they looked not all put together on a high-leverage play. And you're just like (laughs) <laughs> you have timeouts boys and girls like i don't even think we used all our first half timeouts and we just like completely blew it there so i think that really hurt us and i just think there's the operational things i think i think roman has a problem of needing to find that like optimal play it takes an extra four or five seconds they have to do the substitutions for it they're into the line with like seven seconds to go people are like struggling to get a line they can't do motions, they can't do checks or clapping it's just, it's just a mess it's, unexcus- it's inexcusable i think it'd be better to call a less optimal play and get to the line sooner and trust that lamar can check into something or do something than to like figure it out in the huddle and figure it out like go go with your 12 personnel have a card in there if you have to do a 22 whatever but like you know go in a personnel package that you feel really comfy in go do your thing and let like Lamar figure it out, and like not have him have to rush so much. I think it's, I think it's it's inexcusable. Like you know what? Like fine, you're not going to give him 11 personnel. Fine, <laughs> just give him some time at the line. Sheesh.
2: Yeah, I think that's totally valid. Um, I was I was going to mention that before. I think if if anything is like the big criticism uh, from this game is is exactly what you said, Alec. Um, at <laughs> I mean, I, f- I, feel like, I feel like this is all related, too. I mean, you know, obviously, like, Linderbaum had some issues with, you know, delay of game penalties. But, like, if you get the play call out five, ten seconds sooner, are you even in that position? You know what I mean? It's just, that is, it's just, it's a backbreaker, man. Especially, yeah, you know, I like what you said earlier, too, of just, I think it feels worse because, the Ravens seem to have no issues moving the ball up and down the field until they get to the red zone, you know? So it's like when you hit that point, you're like, you're, you're, your offense is rolling, everything's clicking, like, things are looking great, and you're like, okay, let's cap it off the touchdown, and then you don't, and now it feels awful because, like, what was the problem? Everything else was working. Yeah, and then just to add on, like, the, all the pre-snap stuff in there, too, man, it's just, oh, my God. It it just, yeah, it seems like basic, basic... <laughs> that he's supposed to have figured out and just yeah that i don't know i i mean i get where lamar's coming from we haven't even talked about and we honestly like don't really need to talk we're not we're not jameson hensley here but like we haven't <laughs> even talked about the post game antics. but like i understand man where he's coming from and just like some of this stuff and just like do i think he could respond better absolutely but like
0: don't tweet yeah don't tweet <laughs> you like, want on twitter don't tweet
2: yeah i was gonna say well mar be like me i uninstalled it from my phone so i'm all good almost missed jason's message but i got that and we were good um but i understand where he's coming from man because some things just go really well with his team and then when they don't it just ah uh, it just breaks you
1: i don't understand why anyone who's in the public eye has a twitter it's like you have news outlets that will interview you like there's you have all these outlets to get your message out and like you all you're going to do if you go on Twitter is just see a billion mentions of everyone saying how much you suck because they're insecure and depressed about their own life. <laughs> just why are you on twitter it's for it's for no names it's for us people who like you know need to create our own our own persona <laughs> I don't know i don't i'm anyways that's that's off topic <laughs> but yeah i I agree with you one hundred percent all you guys with the play calling it's like i I did say earlier i don't know if there's an easy way to to solve the offense but that is that would seem to be the easiest way to solve things is to just figure out okay how can we shave even five seconds off of the time it's taking for us to get the play in and get everyone to the line of scrimmage you would think that would be something that could be fixed easily i did say Um, after the Panthers game that was something that did have me concerned that that was still an issue coming out of the bye. We saw it as an issue against Jacksonville here Um, but it seems like it should be easy (laughs) but for some reason it hasn't been this year for for this team and quite frankly it was an issue last year as well. So
0: Harbaugh mentioned it. I think like He mentioned that maybe we have to take some of the offense away in order to, like, get the plays out faster. Hmm. And I don't think he actually means, like, completely cancel, like, a formation or whatever. I honestly think it is this. It feels to me that, like, every time Roman wants to pick a play, he's choosing from the Cheesecake Factory level menu (laughs) of what to eat. (laughs) and like he really just needs like the price fix option all right like <laughs> just give him like six plays maybe <laughs> of, show like, me your specials that's all yeah, i want to say me your <laughs> <laughs> like like he's like looking at this monster menu of like every play in his outlet and I, it's just like no let's just let's just you got three choices dude you got a b or c <laughs> like that's it yeah, give me your specials and I wonder if it's like a computer program that could do it. You know, a tendency breakers, some kind of analytics back end that could like suggest a play. It'd be so cool. Like I'm just saying it right now, Ravens. If you want to hire me to build this, I'm interested. I think I think Chris would be really helpful. I think Peter could be really helpful once he's back from his uh adversary <laughs> leave. Like to build this, like <laughs> this 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 idea of like we have a state of the offense on the field, we have the down and distance. And like we just call a play from the playbook based on the down distance and state of the current offense and like how long it might take to change, I feel like it could be done. We don't, new OC AI.
1: <laughs> See, I'm, I'm already I'm already out on this based on my previous comment. I don't want randos in my Twitter uh, mentioned yelling at me about how I suck at life because our AI bot botched a fourth and goal opportunity.
2: <laughs> So like I got a couple things for that one One already exists it's called Madden It comes out every year I know And it usually includes Halfback iso and four verts And one other play Maybe like a play action bootleg or something I don't know Engage eight blitz on defense yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. um, You know what I just had an idea What if we do this Harbaugh makes Roman Call plays from the sideline Ooh! He's not in the booth anymore he doesn't have the comfort of just man. like oh i can like because of like come on if, if he's i mean I, I don't know what he's got in the booth but i tell you what like if he's already in there he's got all the tablets and everything around him like maybe he's got some of that already i don't know but like maybe if we need to like simplify go back to the specials menu just do it from <laughs> the sideline you don't have any of that just go back old school man right. just make him do it you take away
1: play sheets if things are going, you know, too fat, too slow to the line. <laughs> Sorry, Greg. I gotta take that. Too many run plays. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I, I just think it's interesting. You know, it's it's very interesting where they're at. I think the thing I, I tweeted it out. We got a like by uh by a good friend of the show. And and it was just like I think the reason we're sick to our something about this team is you look at it and there's like, they're so close to a perfect record. They're so close to being like way better than they are. And I don't think they're so close to have a lot, having lost a lot more games. It's It seems like they're really just closer to a better outcome than a worse. So when you take it from that perspective, I think like if they can figure it out in the next three to four weeks as we get more offensive players online, hopefully, hopefully get less injury, like less injuries. And they just figure things out. Like, they improve. They figure out how to get to the line five seconds faster. They they start calling more uh, opportunistic plays in, in in second and short, maybe. Right? They just put a couple key factors together. Certain players start getting hot. Deshaun Jackson's hamstrings aren't, you know, old, uh, <laughs> old rubber bands. And he's able to play more than 10 snaps a game. And maybe he's able to play 20. Because, like, he honestly looks pretty decent. Like, maybe, just maybe, they'll get hot. When it actually matters, because it looks it looks pretty clear that they'll still make the playoffs. Maybe they won't win the division. They probably will. Maybe they won't get you know, a third seed. But what they might get is a chance. And as long as they're hot and they have a chance, I think it's fine. I would take them being the sixth seed and hot. Then
1: there's third seed and still struggling with all the same stuff. So give us okay. some adversity and give us a chance to grow. If there's one thing we know about the Ravens, it doesn't matter what seed they are. Just just get them in the tournament, and the sky's the limit. MVPs? Or, no, moral victory awards. Moral victory awards. Oh, man. Moral victory awards. See, Alec just got me so hyped up, I forgot that the Ravens lost the game. But they did, unfortunately. (laughs) It was a big bummer. Um, But, sure, moral victory awards. I got to give it, though, man. We didn't even talk about this play. I got to give it to Justin Tucker, man. He missed that field goal. (laughs) it was 67 freaking yards. It looked from the camera angle like it had a chance. I don't know. I haven't gotten a chance to look at any other angles, but still I don't think any NFL kicker in the league could have made that kick as close to as he did outdoors. So, you know, despite missing the kick, I think Justin Tucker continued to establish himself as the greatest kicker in NFL history. Um, So he gets it from me.
0: Well said, dude. It was crazy to me that they like squibbed the kick. I was like, that's good field position. That feels nice. They have 13 seconds. I thought they could get two plays. The play took too long. The play took too long. They got to the sideline. And I'm like watching the game and I'm like, God, like, there's no way, is there? Like there's just like there's no way he's gonna break his own record outdoors. They said there was no win as the as the little, like you know, thing fluttered backwards, you know, the, there was definitely a little bit of wind, and like my golly, he needed help, <laughs> not anything against. So you can't tell me no wind. So there was that, but the it was killer, dude, because he, he sends it, and you are like it's straight as a nail. It looks like it has a chance, and you know maybe it makes it with a, a three or four yards closer. So I am very impressed by that play. I'm gonna give my MVP to a really easy candidate. Marlon Humphrey had an awesome game. The sack, the tackle for a loss. Oh, I'm so sorry. Chris, do you want to talk about him instead? No, no, no. You gotta go. Uh, All right. right. Yeah, he he had a great game and he's also like the only corner that we can trust right now. So that's that's big props too. So <laughs> Marlon Humphrey, you got my MVP. Or moral victory, sorry.
2: Yeah. MBA. <laughs> yes. <Guess. More>, yeah, <laughs> moral victory. MVA, <laughs> okay. Uh yeah, that was a good one. I was I was thinking about doing Marlowe as well. It's just the easy choice. Um I'll give mine to I'll give mine to Clay's Campbell. I thought he had a particularly good game. Um it's great to see. Also, uh Jags fan base, pretty classy. You know, they I saw that they had uh kind of put him up on the scoreboard um probably early in the game. So they seem to uh really appreciate his contributions to the franchise for that, you know, short lived uh, you know afc championship appearance for them he was a big part of that 2017 defense on that on that squad so um yeah he i thought he had a particularly good game um obviously the sack at the end of the game would would have been really big if we had held on on that third down and then the eventual fourth down just man the to see him continue to play at such a high level at his age is, is crazy um, i'm still amazed at that that the stat that somebody brought up a couple of weeks ago he's the oldest defensive player in the league just it just seems crazy that there's nobody else out there who's been there longer, but, uh, and he still continues to play well.
0: Well, that wraps up this, uh, one winning pod recap episode of a really disappointing loss in Jacksonville. The Ravens got darn close, but weren't able to pull it out. We hope that they can rebound against one of the most pathetic, embarrassing teams of the decade. The Broncos country let's fly ride, whatever are coming <laughs> to the bank. And, they're 3 and 8 right now. They should not be able to win. The Ravens are favored by 8.5 points. Bringing Jan into the Ring of Honor. Hopefully, they're able to rebound. We're going to discuss that game next. You can catch it later in the week. And your podcast player of choice, you can find us on Twitter at One Winning Pod. You can find us on YouTube with our bets and Ravens history at One Winning Pod as well. And you can email us at OneWinningPod at gmail.com. We'll see you later in the week with our Broncos preview. And hopefully you had a good Thanksgiving and can enjoy the rest of the week as we move forward to December and the next slate of games. Go Ravens.